and brought my water bottle because it's hard for me to talk more than about three hours without a drink. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <clears throat> okay, we are going to talk today about the Holy Spirit and the gifts that He gives us. Okay, and I've taken a whole lot of this out of Scripture and. If you have your Bible with you today, it's going to pay to open it up and kind of read along with me. Uh, I read King James, and you probably read something else, so if yours is better for you to understand, then okay, use that. But uh, one of the things, or a, a list of things that I kind of want to cover in this topic is uh, the gifts of the Spirit, uh -oh. the, the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, what are they, or were they? Depends on what church you've been in in the past. Uh, some of them think it's worthy, and some of them think it's are they. So uh, we'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, what good are they? Do we want them? Uh, why do we want them? Why does God want us to have them? Uh, how can we receive them? How will we know if we have a gift? What should we do after we receive the gift or gifts? And what does Scripture say about the gifts? So a lot of what I'm going to cover will maybe answer some of those. And like Sam said, you know, we can discuss it among ourselves as we're going through here. Um, but I wanted to look at, first of all, why did God give us these gifts? And it's my opinion that he wants us to have them probably more than we want them. You know, he it's his idea. It's not our idea. And so a lot of people think, well, I'm not worthy to have a gift or, you know, God doesn't want me to have one. Well, the Bible says that every Christian has a gift. And so some of the time it's just figuring out what it is to use it. And so... Uh, let's take a look if you've got your Bibles I'm going to open up first to Matthew 28 and this is when Jesus is leaving his disciples and going back to heaven Okay. and uh, some of us call this the Great Commission most of you probably know what it is but uh, Jesus said to his disciples go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's Matthew 28, 19. So he gave them a job to do. He's leaving. He told them that he was going to send them the Holy Ghost. And they should, you know, later he's going to say, go wait for him. And, and they did, okay. But uh, the, the job for them is to make disciples all over the, over the world. And they're going to need the Holy Ghost to do that. You can't do that on your own. Okay? Uh, Mark 16, 15 says a very similar thing. He said to them, Go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So he, he gave that commission to Christians so that they would spread the word. And that's why most of us are here today. You know, because people probably prayed for you, probably came and talked to you. Uh, I think very few of us would ever just live in our own little bubble and pick up a Bible and start reading and become a Christian. It's 
it's usually a reaction or interaction with other Christians that brings that to pass. And many of you have probably talked to other people in the past and given them the impression that it would be good to be a Christian. Okay, and some people listen and some people don't. And, you know, there are wise people and there are people who aren't so wise. But anyway, the work of the church is to make disciples. And God knows we can't do it by ourselves. He gave us the tools that we need so that we can go out and disciple people. Okay, now here's the challenge. Uh, the world doesn't really like God. Okay, people who are really worldly, they have no use for God. And this is what the Bible says. I'm in Romans uh, 1, 18-23 here. Uh, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. So the stuff that God has, that, that they can know, it, they have it. They have it. For God hath showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. How many of you can open your eyes and look up and see something that God's made? <laughs> Everything, right? You can't open your eyes and not see it. Okay. Uh, and so they understood that. God says, the word says, they understood that. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Okay, so nobody's going to be able to stand up in front of God one of these days and say, I just didn't know. How was I supposed to know there's a God? Well, I can kind of look, you know, we can look around and see. We know it, okay? Because that they, when they knew God, okay, listen, they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They know better than God. They're the wise Okay? And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into images made like corruptible man to birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. And we've all read the Bible enough to know that people made idols. And these idols usually looked like, well, the first one that comes to my mind is the golden calf. Okay? So it looks like something that God made, but it's not God. You know, some people carve a totem pole on a tree. Well, it may look like an eagle or a bear or a whole bunch of stuff, but it's not God. It's stuff that God made, but that's not Him. But these people became more wise than God and they make all these idols and worship them. Now, I don't know. We probably don't have a lot of idols sitting in our house. But sometimes we get distracted by things of this world and we'll, we'll give more attention to them than we do to God. And that's sort of like idol worship also. So even, you know, you think, well, here in the United States, we're far too sophisticated to, to make a, 
uh, golden calf and bow down and worship it because we know that that's not God. But yet, it's amazing what people do worship. And as a matter of fact, I listen to a, a Bible teacher quite a bit. Uh, he talks about when, when man came up with evolution. Uh, that's, that was like the last straw because now it's not a thing made by God that's a God. It's nothing. You know, we all came from nothing according to them. There is no God and we all just happened. So they don't give God credit for anything. So anyway, that's kind of the challenge we have because there's a lot of people out there that believe like that. And we have to go to them and try to convert them. And there's nothing in me that could do that as a person, except the Holy Ghost draws them. Okay, so if I start to speak to somebody and the Holy Ghost does not work here, I might just as well go out and talk to the grass. But the Holy Spirit works on people's hearts. And He's the one that makes the change. We don't do it. We don't. I haven't saved anybody since I've been a Christian. He has. Okay? Now, I've talked to people about Christianity. I've recommended to them that they become a Christian. And some listen, some don't. The Holy Spirit makes the difference. Okay? Okay, so that's the challenge. Here's another one. Um, the Jews, the Bible says the Jews uh, need a sign. Yes, Sam? If you, if you could, when you want us to look, mention the, chap the oh. book, chapter and verse Okay. somebody wants to follow. Well, I'm in Matthew 12. Uh, 22 23. Matthew 12, 22 and 23. But actually, I'm going to go clear to 40. So the first comment I'm going to make is on 22 and 23. <laughs> okay, this is a healing situation. All right. It says, Then was brought to him. Now, Somebody brought to Jesus, one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And the people were amazed and said, Is this is not this the son of David? In other words, they knew the son of David was the Messiah. Okay, so isn't this the Messiah, basically? Okay. Now, back in the day, when the Jews were casting out demons, they had to know his name first. Jesus, Jesus already knew them, but they would always ask what the, the name of the demon was. And if he wouldn't say it, they were, they were helpless. That's the way they went about casting out demons. Well, if you've got a blind and a dumb, if you have a dumb man, how's he going to say? There's no way for you to find out. But yet Jesus knew what it was. And he cast him out. And that's why it was such miraculous to the people. Now they'd seen demons cast out before. I'm sure they had. Because the Jewish, uh, you know, like the Pharisees and people like that, they did, they did do that work. But this was a special case. 
And they were amazed that Jesus cast out this demon. And what did they say about it? You know, here, here we are. We're, we're seeing this great miracle happen. And the Jews did not want him to be the Messiah. And they said, he doesn't buy Beelzebub. They said, Jesus doesn't buy the power of the devil. That's what, he's, that's what they said. And Jesus really didn't like that. He came back at it pretty hard. But uh, anyway, these same Pharisees, after they got finished accusing him of casting out demons uh, by the devil, it says, and now I'm, in, I'm going to skip down to verse 38. It's still Matthew 12, verse 38. Certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered and saying, Master, <laughs> this really gets me. We would see a sign from thee. Now it's the same people that were right there when he cast out the demon and amazed the people around. Except, it sounds like except for these Pharisees and scribes. Because they didn't want him to be the Messiah. I'm not sure why, but you can tell they were against him. Okay? So they said, and there's another passage in the Bible that says the Jews always require a sign. And so here it is. They're asking, okay, show us a sign so we can believe you're the Messiah, basically. And he had just done it. And the same people had just seen it. So what does he say to them? He answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay, so he's not going to, he's done his sign. And as a matter of fact, from if you would look and really kind of study this, from the time they said that you do this by Beelzebub, he didn't show them very much else. I mean, he was doing miracles before that all the time. After they said that, it was like they, they just cut themselves off. Okay? And here, they're asking for a sign. He says, you'll only get one more, and that's going to be the sign of, the, the sign of uh, Jonas. And that was after he died. So he didn't do he didn't do any more signs for the Pharisees. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip over to John 14. We're going to start with verse 10. Now this is when he's dealing with his own disciples. And they're asking for a sign. Okay. <laughs> Now, if you've been a disciple of Jesus for a few years and you're walking around seeing all these miracles, uh, it kind of amazes Jesus here. They're asking for a sign. They've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. Okay, so here's John 14. Uh, I'm going to start with verse 16. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to start with verse 10. Verse 10. Uh, Philip came up and, and asked him, uh, I'm just giving you background for this, Philip asked him, show us the Father and it will suffice us. So Philip's one of his disciples, he's asking for a sign. 
And 10, uh, verse 10 says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. So here's Philip asking for a sign, and Jesus is kind of amazed. You don't believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? What what could he say? You know, we've been doing all these things. You've been with me all this time, and you don't you don't know that I'm who I say I am. He says, "Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the works' sake." So, have they seen signs? Yes. Have they seen the works? Yes. So he's saying, if you don't believe just because I tell you, believe me because of the works that I've been doing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. Now, that's kind of a key. You'll do the works of Jesus and think of all the things that Jesus did. And he's saying to them, if you believe on me, you'll do these works also. Now, if you think about, why do you suppose Jesus did all those miracles to begin with? Anybody got an idea? To what? Well, more than just a starting line, he's... Yes, sir. They were all misled, and they needed something to go by the truth. Yeah. And Jesus is the truth. Yeah. And the light. So he gave them the signs that they always need, right? When Jesus showed up, he changed everything. Yeah. Okay, so he told them that they would do the same works that Jesus does. And that would be amazing to me. I mean, if I was walking along with him and I'd seen him break the bread in, you know, and feed like 5,000 out of a little pile of food or all the things that, that Jesus had done, cast out demons and uh, make water into wine and all the, all the things, if you look back in the Bible, that Jesus had done, all the healings and that kind of thing. He told them if they just would believe that they'll do that and better. But now, first he says you'll do that. And then he says, and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. That's why they can do greater than Jesus did. Because they'll be the one. The what? They'll be the one. Yeah. Well, yeah, they'll still be there when Jesus is, is going to heaven, yes. That, is that what you mean? They'll be around, yeah. Yeah, because he's going to He's going to go away, and he's, we already read where he turned it over to them. You go make disciples, right? Okay. But it's because he goes to the Father. Well, what was the promise that he made them? Anybody know? What, what promise did he make them when he was going to the Father? John? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. So that's how they can do the greater stuff. Now, Jesus had the Holy Spirit when he was here, right? But I'm thinking, 
if people do things greater than Jesus did, he must have held back just a little bit. <laughs> he must have left a few for us to be amazed by when, when we do them. Okay. And then it says, verse 13, And whosoever shall ask in my name, or whatsoever you ask in my name, uh, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, there's a key there too. Just think. He's going to do it to glorify the Father. So do miracles, are they just for us to, to do them and feel good and look good and, and uh, to uh, puff up ourselves? No. A miracle is to glorify the Father. That's what they're for. Okay. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me and keep my commands. So that's, that was verse 14. Okay. Now I'm going to skip on down just, just a little bit to uh, 16. Same, same chapter, verse 16. This is the work. This is what does the Holy Ghost do? And Right in here, he tells us, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So, now forever is longer than the disciples lived, right? Forever is longer than all the apostles lived. Okay? So, he's still around. He's still here. Has to be. For we haven't reached for forever yet. Okay. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not. Okay, so we can have the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, who can't have it. Yeah, the world says they can't receive it because it sees him not. Neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you and shall be in you. You know him because he dwells in you and shall be in you. If you're a Christian, you know him because he's in you. He is with you. Okay? He is right here. And we know it. The world, you know, we could bring in, a, I don't know, a real famous college professor that that, uh, that really likes evolution or something like that. Put him right here in the, in the midst of this church. And this stuff would just go right over his head. He couldn't, he can't get this stuff. He's made up his mind there is no God. He's already made up his mind. We're from the goo. There was, I don't even know, it's a big bang theory I think they use, and we really came from nothing. And so there's no God. You don't have to wonder about a God. Yeah. I think it also says that their unbelief. Actually, God turned around and says, no, you're not in charge. I'm in charge. I'm going to blind you. Yes. Yes. That's scary. How can you undo that? You can't. You can't undo can't. that, can you? No. Ouch. Yeah, so, you know, when you, if you refuse God, He just turns you over. He says, okay, you're on your own. I'm not, I'm not going to be your God. Okay. Uh, The world can't be said. Okay. Neither knoweth him. Let's see. Uh, verse 20. At that day, ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in, in you. But the Comforter, let's see. 
Well, that's verse 20. Now I'm going to skip down to 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said to you. Okay. So the Comforter has a job. He is supposed to teach us. He's supposed to draw us to God. He's supposed to, well, He does give us gifts to use. He does give us the tools that we need to do the job that He's assigned to us. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip to uh, Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at how did the Holy Spirit show up. Okay. So Acts chapter 1, I'm going to start with verse 4. Now this is Jesus speaking just before he ascended. It says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he says, You have heard of me. So what we've already looked at where he told them the Holy Spirit was coming. So he's saying, you've already heard about this. I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait until you receive it. But he said, let's see. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. So of the earth. So this is where the Holy Spirit makes us a good witness for Him. Any of you ever witnessed for God? You know, you witnessed other people, okay? The Holy Spirit is responsible to make you a good witness. Okay, so as long as you have the Holy Spirit and you're working with the Spirit, you'll be a good witness to, to that person. Sometimes you'll come up with something to say to them, that it'll just blow them away. It's like, wow. And it, that same set of words for another person might not mean much at all. But he'll give you the words that you need to say to that person. He will make you a good witness. That's what the Holy Spirit, that's one of his jobs. Okay, notice, I'm going to skip down to uh, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount Olivet, which is from Jerusalem about a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went to the upper room. So did they do what Jesus said? Yeah. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. So what did they do? They went to Jerusalem. And they went to the upper room. And I got a list. Then there's a whole list of the names that, that were there. But uh, they, they were obedient. They did what he said. And, you know, I, I think if you want the Holy Spirit to work in your life, that's a kind of a key point. Obey, Obey what God tells you to do. Okay. And then uh, I'm going to skip down to verse 21, still Acts chapter 1. I think this is 21. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I'm no, that's one, isn't it? Is that Acts 1-1? One, one? I think that's... I think that might be... Uh, I think I've messed, messed up my reference. Yeah, chapter 2-1. Okay, 2-1. Good. 
Okay, so when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in, uh, with one accord in one place. So again, they did just what he said. All right, and then it came to pass just like he said. If you look at uh, verse 2, I'm in 2-2, two, two, uh, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a, as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues that like fire, and it sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were, dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And when it was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. So, and, and it goes on, just below this, it tells you all the, uh, a lot of the different places they came from. They had totally different languages. But they all heard it in their own language. When a lot of people talk about the gift of tongues, okay, um, here here it was given the first time, and they uh, some people will say, well, God always gives you a real language. You may not know what it is, but. Uh, one language that you speak. But here, I don't know what they actually spoke if they spoke the language, but everybody heard it in their own language. So if, if every one of you is from a different country and I'm up here talking, it's like you all hear it in your language even though I'm only saying one language. Okay? It's not your language. Now, I've had one example of this in my lifetime. Uh, I witnessed, well, my, my first wife and I, we had a friend uh, that we, <laughs> we coaxed her into going to church with us and we discipled her and uh, she became a Christian and got baptized, you know. And so the church that we went to was kind of a, well, it was an assembly of God at that time. And uh, they had a message in tongues two or three times in the service. And then there was always an interpretation that went with it. Yes, Sam? What's a message in tongues? Oh, okay. It's when, <laughs> when somebody gets up, if, if you feel, one of these days, if you feel inspired of God and you feel like he's got a message for you to give, uh, you can stand, stand or sit or what. But anyway, you say... The words that God gives you, and uh, this would be in another tongue than English for us, because we're we all speak English. Okay, and so you get up and you say this. Well, none of us understand it. Okay, none of us would understand it, except one be there to interpret that. Now, if you get the gift of interpretation someday, and you hear somebody get up and give a word in tongues. You could then get up and explain to us what the person said. We'll cover that later, but that's a message in tongues. But anyway, she heard this, or the guy got up and gave this during the church service, and I heard it in a foreign tongue. I didn't know what he was saying. And then another person stood up and interpreted what the guy said. 
And so after the service was over and we were walking out of the building, the lady that, that we had discipled, she said, I have a question for you. And I said, okay. And she said, why did those two people get up in the service and say exactly the same thing? He said, first this guy gets up and he says whatever he said. And then this guy over here gets up and says exactly, almost word for word, what he said. So she was evidently sitting there and she heard it in her own language, English, both times. And that amazed me. I thought, I've heard of people interpreting and they hear it in the, in the tongue and then they interpret it with what God gives them. But I've, I've never heard of anybody hearing it in, the same, in their own language to begin with. Maybe, that, maybe that's not as uncommon as I think, but, but that was very similar to this right here. She heard an unknown tongue in her own language. And she knew it. And her question to me was, why did they both say the same thing? She didn't, she didn't realize that was a message in tongues and interpretation. So it does, it does exist, and, and that, like I said, that kind of amazed me. But anyway, let's get back to here. Um, uh, verse 5, I think, we're in. If there were uh, dwelling in Jerusalem devout Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven, and when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard in their own language. And then uh, they were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are these people which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man are in our own, in our own tongue, wherein we're born? And then it says Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Cappadocia, in Pontus and Asia and Philigra and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya and Cyrene and uh, strangers from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. Okay, so there's quite a mixture there. Do we hear them speak in our own tongues and wonderful works of God? And they were amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what means this? Okay, so they they realized everybody's hearing this in their own tongue. Now, then, then we get the mockers, okay? <laughs> Others mocking said, they're full of new wine. Uh, in other words, they're drunk. It just sound, so that tells me that not everybody heard it in their own language. Does that say, you know, it happened for some, but not for everybody. Because there are always mockers in the crowd and it's sort of like we said a while ago, his stuff just goes right over their head. They don't get it. Okay, but there were some there, okay. And then Peter got up and explained to them uh, about what was going on. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all dwell in Jerusalem, be this known to you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, being the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants and my handmaidens, I'll pour out in those days of my spirit, 
and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, uh, blood and fire and vapor, smoke, and, and so on, you know, and it gets kind of in, I, I think it's kind of leading into the stuff in Revelation. There, but, but anyway, in the last days, God's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Okay? And it tells what will happen. Okay, and it shall come to pass, I'm in verse 21, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved in those days. Well, that's, we're, we're there, right? Amen. If we call on the name of the Lord, that's how we get saved. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, Lord in Christ. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, be baptized everyone in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So here, the Holy Ghost is doing just exactly what we've been saying it would do. It made them a witness. They spoke and people were amazed. They'd never seen anything like that before. And so it made, and then they, when they said, what's going on? Peter said, well, Jesus that you crucified, he is bringing this to pass. Oh yeah, we crucified him. That's right. I'm guilty. So what can we do? So here it is. He said, repent, be baptized, uh, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I believe at that time, uh, there was like 3,000 people gave their heart to Jesus that day. So here's a, here's a good example. God gave the apostles the gifts of the Spirit. When the tongues happened and Peter got up and talked to the people who were kind of not understanding what's going on, he got 3,000 of them get saved that day. Now, that's in Jerusalem, right? First step. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Samaria, uh, Judea, outermost parts of the earth. So step one, we're started. Okay? 3,000 people. Now that's quite a bit, quite a bit more people than they had before. Okay. Um, now, verse 39. We want to seek what God has promised us. I'm looking at the clock. Okay. <laughs> I'm, almost, I'm almost to a stopping point. Here. Okay, so I'll, I'll try to let you out before 5 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Don't be too much like Sam. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're going to seek what God's promised. So we're starting with uh, 39. For the promise is to you and your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they gladly received his word and were baptized that same day and were added to them 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, 
and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Okay? So this is kind of like we're getting the ball. God, God's getting the ball rolling here. Okay? Just like he said, it's coming to pass. Okay, so... I just want to take a look at... Can you have this Holy Spirit gift that, that God's talking about? Can you have it? Yeah. And we're going to look at Luke 11. Luke 11. And we're going to start with verse 9. Now, Luke 11 is where we get the Lord's Prayer. that We, we all just prayed that a few minutes ago, right? And so, the apostles asked Him to teach them to pray. And so, Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer. And then he gave them a parable about a guy who had uh, friends show up late at night and he didn't have anything to offer them to eat. So he went to his neighbor and woke him up out of bed and said, I gotta have some bread for my friends. And first the guy said, well, we're all in bed. I've got my kids all asleep. And, you know, go away and I'll, I'll give you something tomorrow or something. I mean, he, he was putting him off. No, I, we're, he was giving excuse after excuse. And then the guy was persistent and he asked again and again until the guy got up out of bed and gave him the bread that he needed. And then the guy had bread to give to his friends. And this was a parable that Jesus told them after this prayer saying, if you want something, be persistent at it. Now, most of us, when we pray for something, I can, I can think of my life, I don't always get it the very first time I ask. I don't. There are some things that I never have gotten, okay? But the things that happen after I pray, a lot of times I have to pray more than once. I have to be persistent. I have to be willing to pray over it time and time again. If that's what it takes. Okay, God, I'm here again. I'm asking for this again. Okay? And then it goes to verse 9 after that parable. And then he says, I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone that asks receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son asks bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will you give him a serpent? What shall, or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, okay, he's got them pegged, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Shall your Father in heaven give the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, to them that ask Him? So, think of think of any family you know, and usually, for their own kids, they will try to give them good things, just because they. I don't know if they really, really love their kids, but they at least like them. Okay? Uh, 
Huh? That's a start. That's a start, yeah. In worldly terms, they call it, they love their kids, okay? Uh, even though they don't really know what love is at that point. But, but anyway, with the love that they have, it says, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? So it makes it sound like it's almost like this is a shoe-in. Can I have it if I ask? Yes. If you're a Christian, you can have it. You can have it. And He, he wants you to have it. That's the whole thing. He wants you to have it. Because He's already told you, this is your job. And He knows you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You know, if, if any of you hired anybody to work for you, let's say you want them to uh, plant some trees in your front yard or something. They just hire a guy off the street and say, I got all these trees here. Would you plant them? And I'll pay you so much when, when they're all planted. And the guy says, well, yeah, but I don't have a shovel. So wouldn't you go to your shed and pull out your shovel and say, okay, here's your tool. Start digging the holes. Sure. You can't expect the guy to plant trees if he doesn't have a shovel. God doesn't expect you to go out and spread the gospel without the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've got to have it. Okay. I think I'm going to wind up about there. So if if we want to continue this, okay, and I'll more. leave that up to Sam. Yes. The key word is ask. Yes. Aren't we a little bit proud of ourselves when we refuse to ask? Oh yeah. That's the yeah. Or if you don't even think you need it, see that's oh, okay. you then you're not going to ask for sure if you don't think you need it. Well, hmm. I'm good enough to do it by myself. Hmm. Well, that does not ever work. So anyway. Uh, let's pray and then I will dismiss. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you're here today. And I know that your word says if two or three will gather in my name, I'll be in the midst of them. And so uh, we just accept that. And we know that uh, you want us to have these gifts, Father. And I pray that uh, you will open our eyes and let, them see, let us see them and that they will begin manifesting if they haven't already and Father we'll know what you've called us to do because we're part of your body and that uh, our, our responsibility as a Christian is to do what you ask us to do and so thank you Father for loving us and for giving us the Holy Spirit in Jesus name Amen, Amen. Uh, just uh, one last comment here and uh, so first thank Steve for just sharing He's got a gift for speaking uh, simply and, and uh, kind of in, in a, um, a down-to-earth way as he shares the word. And uh, I appreciate that. As somebody who tends to complicate things, um, I appreciate that. And just a, just a roundup, um, maybe you're here and you say, you know, I, uh, I believe in Jesus. I trust in Christ. He's my Savior. The Holy Spirit is, we receive Him and He indwells us, but there are greater, there are greater manifestations of Him that He, and there are gifts of Him, from Him. Um, there are gifts from Him, that's T, 
for anybody who's getting weirded out by that. Um, there are gifts from him that he is ready to give. Uh, there are manifestations of the Holy Spirit that God is ready to give. So let's ask him. Let's seek him. Let's uh, let that thirst in you grow. God, give me, um, give me your spirit in great measure. Pour it out. Give me your, your gifts, Lord. Show me how I can use them. So again, uh, any questions or thoughts, um, you can uh, grab Steve after service here and ask him. Or, and you can be studying. And if you want, uh, where are you going to be next week, Steve? You're going to be in uh, Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians 12, 13, yeah. and 14. Yes. If you want to do your homework, First Corinthians 12 through 14. You already did his homework. Did I? But from last week. Yes, you did. Maybe I did. <laughs> you said, talking about no broken bones. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You found it. Oh, good. You found it. Yeah, we had a couple passages. So, yeah, so anyway, uh, if, if you want to do your homework on this, you can study 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, and Steve will uh, share a little bit more detail about some of these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And let I hope your appetite is just wet by this, you know, that you are just hungry for God and uh, for what he wants to give us. So thank you, Steve.